What is up, my friends? Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren. I am your host, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. I hope you are all doing well on this Tuesday, July 21st. We are one week away from the return of, well, exhibition games, at least, and got some updates on Bruins training camp, the NHL at large, and also a tribute to our St. Patrice Bergeron, who has been named a finalist for the Frank J. Selkie Trophy for the ninth consecutive season. Unreal. But first, let me remind you that this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Alexa, Google Nest, uh, Spotify, through that, I guess. But um, yeah, if you subscribe to the show, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Yesterday, we were up to number 22 on the Apple US hockey charts uh, ahead of Bob McCowan's podcast. If you know Bob McCowan, he's a uh, legendary sports broad, not broadcaster, but talk show host up here in Canada. And it was amazing to see the Locked On Bruins podcast ahead of Bob McCowan in the charts. Take that, Bobcat. Anyways, um, yeah, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can find me at Ian C. McLaren, or you can email the show at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. What are we talking about today? Well, as I mentioned, the National Hockey League announced that Bruins forward Patrice Bergeron has been named a finalist for the 2020 Frank J. Selke Trophy given annually to the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game, as judged by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. The other finalists for the award are Sean Couturier of the Philadelphia Flyers and St. Louis Blues center Ryan O'Reilly. Now, I know a lot of people were decrying the fact that it's always only centers who are finalists for this award, uh, there are some saying younger players like uh, Anthony Sorelli from the Lightning deserved more recognition. Mark Stone as a winger deserved more recognition. But I, for one, salute the PHWA for continuing to recognize the greatness of Patrice Bergeron. It's his ninth consecutive season that he's been named a finalist for the award. Uh, He's won it in 2012, 2014, 2015, and 2017. And the four wins is tied with Bob Gainey of the Montreal Canadiens for most all time. I mean, there's no way to really describe how much I appreciate Patrice Bergeron. Bruins fans across the spectrum love him and we are so lucky to have him 35 years old he just seems to be getting better he had uh 56 points in 61 games this season 31 goals 25 assists 
only one of eight players to take more than 1,300 faceoffs. He led that group with a 57.9 win percentage. Uh, he also, you know, draws heavy defensive minutes against top competition and is a big reason why the Bruins had a top-ranked defense this season, allowing just 2.39 goals per game. He ranked third among the team's forwards in shorthanded ice time, and um, that unit ranked third in the league with an 84.3% success rate. With a win, Bergeron would become the first ever five-time Selkie Trophy winner. Uh, I don't know if this would be his last chance at that, but certainly um, a great opportunity for him to get that record. I've said for several years now that Sean Couturier seemed like the next perennial candidate for this award. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly is very deserving as well. Uh, the reigning Conn Smythe Trophy winner. I think Anthony Barkov deserves to be in this conversation. Sorelli, like I mentioned, Mark Stone. There's a lot of amazing two-way forwards in the NHL at the moment. But uh, Bergeron just kind of, um, you know, sets the bar in terms of what a two-way center, two-way forward in the NHL should look like. And, you know, we are so, again, lucky to have him on the roster. My apologies for aging Bergeron. He is, as of today, still 34 years old. He will turn 20, sorry, 34 on July 24th, so later this week. Bergeron said, it's a great honor. It's something I've always been very proud of. Put a lot of emphasis on my two-way game, my defensive part of my game. Even from my early days playing junior, it's nice to get recognized. I'm proud of that, that's for sure. He credited his teammates saying, you know, it's one of those things where you can't accomplish on your own. I've been fortunate enough to play on great teams, great lines, been coached by great coaches. That has helped me tremendously over the years. It's always a great recognition. You always have to realize and keep in mind it's a team sport. I wouldn't be here without the help of all my teammates. It's the same thing every year. Bergeron, always the humble leader. And, uh, you know, really cool to see him continue to um, credit his coaches and his teammates for um, his success at the NHL level and his amazing two-way play. And a lot of the credit goes back to his junior coach in Acadie Bathurst with the Teton. And head coach Real Paymont at the time said... Bergeron must work on the defensive side of his game because his offense wasn't quite strong enough to make him a regular at the NHL level. That was his kind of uh, assessment at the time. Can you take that one away? Free coffee delivery from my son as I record the podcast. Thanks, Will. Where was I? Oh, yeah, so Bergeron basically uh, said that Pema told him that if he didn't develop the defensive side of things and learn to get better, he couldn't rely on his offense to make it to the next level. Bergeron said he taught me a lot. I think it was more what he said midway through the 2002-2003 season. Uh, he said, if you expect to make it just by relying on one thing, you don't get it. 
You need to really make sure you know every aspect of the game and work on every aspect of the game for you to make it to the next level. Bergeron said it was great to hear, but it was even better to work on it and put all the effort and time to do it. Uh, so it's one thing to hear that advice and another thing to heed it and to, to take it to heart and actually work on it. Um, I actually got similar advice back in the day when I was trying to crack into hockey writing. Uh, I applied for a job and was rejected. And I asked uh, the person who had interviewed me if they had any advice or anything that I can take from that experience to work on to get uh, to where I wanted to be at some point in the future. And they told me, you know, if you want to be a hockey writer, you just have to write. Very simple, but um, it really motivated me to start my own website to get uh, a resume going of, you know, hockey writing credits, looking anywhere I could to write. And that really helped me to eventually get a job as a full-time hockey writer for a few years. So, um, you know, it's those little bits of advice that are just seem so obvious in hindsight that really go a long way to uh, making a world of difference down the line. Bergeron said he also learned a lot from Claude Julien, a lot of things from each and every coach. Some players I've grown up watching, Bruce Cassidy right now, still trying to learn from all of them. The players I've played with, teammates, you try to take some things away from different guys, different tendencies from guys around the league, try to make it your own and get better that way. That was very helpful. And he credited Guy Carboneau as a player that uh, he grew up watching and wanting to emulate as well. So congratulations again to Patrice Bergeron, who we hail as king, saint, knight, whatever title you want to give to him. We are so lucky to have him here in black and gold. Now to transition to training camp notes from Monday, uh, Patrice Bergeron was asked about the continued absence of David Pasternak and how it is affecting uh, kind of getting back in the groove on the top line with Brad Marchand. Bergeron said he's not quite ready to hit the panic button. There isn't any concern there, he said. Right now, what we're trying to get out of the first week of practice, and now this week is rhythm, getting your hands back individually, but also collectively as the system and all the positioning and having a feel of five-on-five scrimmages back again. It's been a while for that. As far as chemistry, is it ideal? No, it's not. That being said, myself, Pasta, Marshy have been playing together for a while now. It seems like every time we're put back on a line together, we're finding the chemistry pretty quickly, and it seems pretty seamless every time. We're hoping to rely on that when Pasta comes, he added. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later and go from there. At the moment, it has been uh, Anders Bjork, who has been skating on the top line with Marchand and Bergeron, uh, skating on his off wing as a left-hand shot on the right side. Uh, but the fact that Bjork has been up there bodes well for um, his return to the lineup and speaks volumes of how well uh, Bjork has been performing in camp up to date. Now, over the weekend, as I talked about on yesterday's podcast, there were several absences from 
practice, uh, but a bunch of those guys were back on the ice, including Charlie Coyle, David Krejci, Tori Krug, Sean Corrali, Tuka Rask, and Nick Ritchie. Uh, Andre Kasha and Pasternak uh, were still deemed unfit to participate, as well as Chris Wagner, uh, Charlie McAvoy, and Anton Bleed were new absences on Monday. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said there's different reasons for these absences. And because, again, the NHL says they can only say unfit to participate, that could mean injury. It could mean some sort of COVID aspect, tests that don't come back on time, tests that are inconclusive, um, and just an overall sense of cautiousness uh, that is all factored into what's happening recently. That according to head coach Bruce Cassidy. He said, at the end of the day, we go to work with the guys who test results have come back negative and off we go. We'd love to get everyone back on time and negative, but it doesn't always happen that way. So Bruce Cassidy has had to kind of shift things on the fly at times and to be flexible and to basically come prepared with two practice plans one for the full group and one for a limited number of players he said they're basically going into every day with those two plants if they don't have that many players they'll go with the um, limited group uh, not really able to scrimmage but just kind of a, a skate and drills and things like that so for monday for example there were two lines with a couple extras so it was tough to go every second shift, and they were trying to build more face-offs into it, slow things down a bit, go over certain situations, uh, still getting in some five-on-five reps in terms of scrimmaging. Matt Grizzlick said, you know, these uncertain uh, attendance at practice was something that they were, were aware of coming in as a possibility, Um I don't think anybody really has the answers, he said, but just try to do your best, not be frustrated when something does pop up. Make sure that you're taking the necessary precautions, making sure that once we get into Toronto, we're not bringing anything in. We're just able to play and not worry about outside distractions if we can. Again, the Bruins are scheduled to travel to Toronto on the 26th, which is Sunday, and then they have a game scheduled against the Columbus Blue Jackets on July 30th, an exhibition game. And then their first round-robin game is set for August 2nd. Now because uh, Pasta and Kasha have been out, and there's some uncertainty still around them, some roster positioning is up for grabs. And um, guys like Bjork, Kuhlman, Richie, they're all kind of battling for prime spots in the lineup. And Bruce Cassidy said he is far from deciding on a final postseason lineup. Uh, there's questions about where Kasha and Richie will fit in, where Bjork and Kuhlman will fit in as guys who have stood out. And um, so a lot of questions still up in the air for uh, Bruce Cassidy. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think I've nailed down my ideal lineup. It would be Marshan Berger on Pasternak, DeBrusque, Krejci, Kasha. Uh, on the third line, I put Bjork, Coyle, and Kuhlman. And then on the fourth line, Richie, Corrali, and not quite set on the right winger on the th- fourth line, um, whether it be Chris Wagner on that spot, or you take Richie, put him on the right side, and put Nordstrom on the left side. 
But I think that would be my ideal forward lines. Speaking of um, David Pasternak, Jake DeBrusque said he has been in touch with Pasternak and uh, he is remaining in good spirits. Obviously, it's not the ideal situation, DeBrusque said, but he's still pasta. He's still doing his thing. DeBrusque said he's not worried about him at all, to be honest. Not necessarily on the ice, but obviously wanted to check in to make sure he was safe and see what's going on. So nice of DeBrusque to uh, check in on his teammate and friend uh, to make sure, you know, not only that he's feeling okay in terms of hockey, but also, uh, you know, the mental aspects of not playing. Uh, it can take a toll to be away from the group. That uncertainty, uh, mental health is certainly a big uh, consideration when it comes to uh, all of what's going on as well. One final note, the Bruins round robin game against the Washington Capitals has been moved back a day to Sunday, August 9th. It was scheduled to be played on the uh, the 8th, but it will now be on the the, um, the 9th time yet to be determined. So that means the Bruins will play on the 2nd against Philly the 5th against the Lightning, and now the ninth against the Capitals. Elsewhere around the NHL, the Norris Trophy finalists were also named, they being John Carlson of the Washington Capitals, Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators. The NHL also released results of their COVID-19 testing from the last week the beginning of Phase 3 training camps. 2,618 tests were uh, given to over 800 players from July 13th to 17th, with only two positives coming back. So that's very uh, encouraging numbers for the NHL. Uh, A notable improvement over previous reports, where I think there was upwards of 5% uh, positive rates. Uh, So at this point... The chances of pulling off the playoff tournament seem uh, pretty good. And the NHL, as I've said all along, has gone about this better than other leagues, uh, certainly for going with the hub city route and also coming up north of the border where uh, we have a bit of a better handle on COVID-19 than uh, our neighbors to the south, although there are uh, some concerns about uh rising numbers as we've moved into phase three of reopening up here, which includes uh, bars and restaurants and uh, hair salons and all that kind of stuff. So uh, still something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Speaking of COVID-19 and risks, Canadians forward Max Domi rejoined his teammates. He took a week to evaluate the risks of his health associated with COVID-19 He is a type 1 diabetic, also suffers from celiac disease. I'm not sure if that has much to do with it. I myself have celiac, and I haven't heard anything like that predisposes me to COVID because of celiac, but the type 1 diabetes is certainly the bigger concern for him. Um, So, yeah, it looks like Domi could be with the Canadians as they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins in the qualifying round. And... I don't know, if you believe some people, they say that the presence of Shea Weber and of Carey Price could give the Canadians an edge over the Penguins and they could be a team that surprises. I'm not fully convinced, but 
Max Domi's presence would certainly help for sure. One other note uh, from Sportsnet analyst John Shannon, he reported that the NHL plans to put its world feed on a five-second delay in order to monitor players' language. We all know there will be no fans, and the players' voices will almost certainly be amplified from ice level. Um, So, you know, there's a chance for some foul language to emerge. I believe the concern is more in relation to, you know, the possibility of homophobic and racial slurs instead of F-bombs. And that is a very real possibility uh, that could be heard during this time. Uh, As we know from uh, hockey culture and issues that have come up in the past, especially in the heat of the playoff moments. So uh, that's interesting. It it kind of takes away from the authenticity of it, and I wouldn't mind hearing a live uh, feed and getting kind of that raw audio. In fact, I might pay a bit extra to hear that just because it's so interesting and we don't get that under normal circumstances. Uh, But that's how the NHL is going to play it at this point. On the rumor front, uh, a report from Arizona cites the fact that Taylor Hall had a dinner meeting last week with the Arizona Coyotes owner, Alex Maruello, and his son Alex Jr., and new CEO Xavier Gutierrez. The two sides have reportedly engaged in contract talks with the new CEO taking over the discussions. Hall, of course, will be one of the most notable free agents on the market uh, this summer. Uh, he's 28, unrestricted free agent, and came to the Coyotes by way of the New Jersey Devils earlier this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Coyotes are able to retain his services or if he hits the open market, uh, return to Edmonton surely would be uh, pretty, pretty hilarious. Uh, but, um, if he does want to stay there, they could have a pretty, uh, pretty good team. And speaking of big free agent deals, blast from the past, Louis Erickson, he apparently has no intention of retiring and walking away from the two years and $5 million in salary remaining on his contract with the Vancouver Canucks. His contract carries a $6 million AAV, creating a salary cap headache for the Canucks. Uh, but he uh, apparently wants to keep playing. And it reminds me of, you know, back when he left and the Bruins signed David Backus. Uh, I wasn't quite sure about that decision. I didn't really see why A, they let Erickson walk uh, seeing as how he fit in pretty well with the team and also if they were going to let him walk why they would sign Backus to a similar contract. Now the Bruins were of course able to get out of Backus's deal uh, by sending him to the Anaheim Ducks and it's better than being stuck with Erickson's contract at the moment. So just goes to show you that uh, some pretty bad decisions can be made in free agency. And uh, maybe this salary cap uh, kind of not freeze, but um, salary cap, flat salary cap, I should say, will save some GMs from making some pretty bad decisions this year. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen. Uh, I'm going to be recording today with the Locked On NHL podcast 
to preview the Bruins uh, playoff potential. So you'll want to check that out uh, tomorrow, I believe. But uh, do subscribe to that podcast as well. Always some great stuff going on over there. Again, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at ENC McLaren on Twitter or locked on Boston Bruins at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I hope you all have a great Tuesday and uh, continue to hope for the best when it comes to Pasternak and Kasha. Hopefully they can join the Bruins for practice here soon and get their asses up to Toronto to begin um, the yeah return to play and the quest for a Stanley Cup. Thanks so much for listening, friends. Talk to you later.